Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Hemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome to GEMS Podcast. I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Susan M. Barber, but she goes by Sue, and she is the creator of the Visibility Factor, but here's a little bit more about Sue. Susan M. Barber, author, former Fortune 500 director, turned executive coach, helps business leaders to play bigger, increase their visibility, and finally, shine a light on their leadership strengths so they can elevate their position in the workplace. She brings a depth business knowledge to her coaching from her 25 plus years of leadership experience at Kraft Heinz. As the author of Visibility Factor, she is creating a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Susan is married with three children and lives in the Chicago area. And without further ado, the woman on a mission who is true to herself and helps others find their trueness, Susan M. Barber, a.k.a. Sue. Thank you so much. What a wonderful introduction. My pleasure, Susan. And I just want to thank you so much, Sue, for just being here with me today and the audience. And I want you to really walk us through the visibility factor why the name the visibility factor and i see the book over to my left <laughs> with the light bulb hanging down so hold up the book and then tell yeah, this us is just a poster i can actually hold up the book here but that's probably a little easier for people to see nice walk us through the cover because i always like to know how people design the cover of their book because sometimes people see the cover of things and they just make notions but they don't really go beyond the cover and just really connect with it I love this question. No one's actually asked me this question before. So I love this. I went through a lot of cover designs and actually had people vote on covers because sometimes other people will tell you things that you don't know. And so I had probably 12 different covers. And the reason this one resonates, the color of it is the color of my logo and the color of my brand. So that's why it's blue. I also wanted it to stand out. Originally, I thought I wanted to write a white cover, but the blue actually stands out. The reason for the light bulbs, if you notice here... The one light bulb is standing out while the rest are kind of dim. And what we're trying to do is help people really shine a light on the great things that they offer. They have a lot of value. They have a lot of unique strengths and a lot of unique gifts. And I think sometimes people take those for granted and they think that they're not good enough and they try to compare to all those other light bulbs. And really all they have to do is just stand in their own power and just realize how wonderful they are and that let people see that. And then their confidence will grow and they'll really be able to stand out. And that's that's kind of the message behind it. So thank you for that question. That's amazing. My pleasure, because when I looked at the book, I said, there's a reason why one light bulb is shiny. And when I saw it, I was like, because each one of us carries a magnificent light and each one of us is meant to illuminate 
and shine in the darkness. And sometimes if you don't know who you are and what you were created for, you're easily going to be swayed by what other people want you to be. The pressures of, you know, your nine to five job, the pressures of assimilating to different organizations and how they want you to tick to their beat. When in actuality, you start to begin to play into other people's illumination and then your light begins to get dim because you're losing yourself trying to appease other people who were never truly meant to validate you or they weren't meant to be traveling on your wavelength. And it's no discount, discredit or disrespect to that individual. It's just, they don't understand what you're carrying. So when you come to the forefront and you let your light shine, you are being visible. And that's kind of what I got from your book, but I wanted you, the author and the creator to really walk us through that. Cause I didn't want to make any assumptions. And I just want you to highlight the other words that's on the um, cover of your book, because I think that's really going to drive something to the listeners or the viewers. I love what you said, by the way. Very well said. You know, breaking through your fears. I think there's a lot of talk about fear in here because people operate from fear and maybe don't even know it. And I wanted people to understand that you can break through that and some of the actions that they're going to take by following the, the rise process in the book. So it's a, a four-step process to help them really understand how to create a visibility plan for them that's authentic to them, that's unique to them, and doesn't have to be scary. It's it's taking little steps. And I love that you talked about kind of the darkness, because one of the things that I think for me, some of this is my own story where I was hiding in the background and not being visible enough, was that I I kind of felt like I didn't have a book to follow. I didn't know how to find the answers. And so that's part of in my head was, I'm going to write a book about this Sunday to help other people because I didn't have someone to help me. And I described it as having this needing this flashlight in the dark because I didn't know how to how to find anything on my own. So breaking through your fears is very important, but I want people to stand in their own power and realize they have everything that they need. They don't need someone else to tell them or validate them or you know give them permission. They can do things that really make them stand out on their own and they don't need to have someone else do it for them. Becoming authentic. I think authenticity has been something that's just been very important to me throughout my career at Craft. And now in this role as a coach, I think there's a lot of people who think they have to be a certain way to a point about comparison and I need to do what they're doing and I need to be like they are. But if you just really think about who am I as a leader, who do I want to be and how do I want to really help my team? If you have a team, they can see that, right? They can feel whether you're being genuine and authentic or if you're not being that, if your words and actions don't match, they'll know pretty quickly. And that just causes a lack of trust. So to me, authenticity and being transparent as much as I always could be was very important to me as a leader. And then being the leader that you're meant to be, because I think we all have this idea of maybe what we've seen in other leaders. And so do we emulate them and do we become like they are, or do we become the leader that we really want to be? And that took me a while to figure out who that was at some point in my life. When I had my first team, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm going to just be honest. I didn't know how to be a leader. I got the title, but I was still being a individual contributor. I was still trying to do all the work because that's what made me successful. But once I learned about leadership and really helping the team grow, and that's what my role was, I really thought, who do you want to be? What do you want to stand for? How are you going to really make decisions and be the person that they need you to be? And so for me, there was a bit of a journey to try to figure that out. But once I did, that's something I teach other people now. It's one of the first things I teach them is 
Who do you want to be as a leader? Because then even if you're not that person, you can start to step in and become that person sooner than later by just thinking about that and focusing on it. I love that. And I love that you asked yourself, who do you want to be? Because it also shows that you are going through self-reflection. You were making your journey personal to Sue. You also were connecting to your skills that you had and those skills turn into your talents and then you're accentuating your talents and you're not necessarily jumping on the bandwagon of other people, but you are taking ownership of Sue. You're taking ownership of your career and you're making sure that your actions are lining up with your words. And then as you are aligning everything, that is being replicated outwards to the people who sit under you, your direct reports and et cetera. So with you having 25 plus years in a Fortune 500 company such as Crafts, and then now you transitioning to ex- being an executive business coach, what was the hardest thing that you had to endure? And how has that hard situation helped you write the book, help you level up and help you really connect to women who are aspiring to be leaders, but maybe they're still vying for, you know, that seat at the table, especially depending on what field that you're in. And if you need clarification, let me know. No, I was just thinking I have more than one probably to share with you. <laughs> there was a lot of learnings I went through. Uh, one is, um, I think the first one that was really a challenge for me was how much I didn't realize my identity was tied to craft. So I could introduce myself and I could say I'm with Kraft and their credibility would just automatically transfer to me. And then when I left, it was just me, right? I just had to stand on my own and start to establish my own credibility as you know, Susan Barber, executive coach, not Susan Barber, IT director. And so it was a very different mindset that I had to go through to, to make that transition. So you know, to be honest, I did what I would say the business 101 classes would tell you to do. Go create a website, get a get a logo, create your company name, do business cards. So I did all of those things, but that was honestly, you know, just me hiding, right? Trying to figure out what it is I was doing. I'd never owned a business before. And so as I, you know, really reflected on that, I thought, you know what, this is something that you really need to move forward on. You need to be getting clients. You need to be doing something to stand out in this new role. And so what I did was actually started writing a blog and I wrote a blog every day for 18 months. And part of that was to no longer see me as a craft person, but to see me as my own thought leadership person, an executive coach, someone who cares about leadership. And at that time, I really wasn't writing a ton about visibility. I probably was, but not calling it that. And so it was just a journey that really helped me start to stand on my own, find my own voice and be comfortable with that. I will tell you the first blog though, it took me a good solid week before I posted that. <laughs> I was really nervous about that. And now it's way easier obviously to do that, but it took some time to do that. And so I think for anybody who's going through this transition, just understanding where you're coming from, give yourself some grace um, through that transition because it, it is a challenge learning how to ask for help from other people. I had so many wonderful people once I transitioned into this other place that I leveraged and needed because I had never done this before. And they offered advice freely and offered to help me. And I can't repay them enough. Like the, you know, just those situations that you just aren't ready for and you aren't familiar with and you have to go through them and learn. And so those were probably the two biggest ones, just worrying about how I would shift my identity and then also asking for help. That's profound. And the reason why I say that's profound, Sue, 
is because I spent 12 years in oil and gas and energy, and I worked for one of the big Fortune 500 companies for the past seven and a half years up until I got laid off in the pandemic. So February this year, and sometimes people will see me as Genesis at this company and people are like, Oh, you're at XYZ or whatnot. And I'm like, yes, even though I work there, I still have my own identity outside of that company. But sometimes you get so caught up in the titles, you get so caught up in the branding by association that you lose a piece of yourself because that brand outweighs your name. But in actuality, your name has weight, but you have to put your dominance out there. And not that you're saying that the company is not great, but you as an individual is a a key contributor to that company. And without you being a part of that company, they wouldn't have some of the success that they have because the people from the top down is not doing the work from the people from the bottom up. And it Mm -hmm. takes everyone to come together collectively to make that company run like a well-oiled machine. So you Mm -hmm. have to see yourself as more than just an employee at that company, as more than just an individual contributor or executive, but see, okay, what type of gifts and talents do I bring to this company? And if something were to happen, how can I take those same gifts and talents and do it in my own business and shine? And so I like that you talked about that. And I also like that you were willing to ask for help as well as accept help. Because sometimes people ask for help, but they don't always accept the help because the help that someone is given is not conducive or it's not packaged the way they want it to be packaged. But not everyone is going to do something similar to what we do. And just because they don't do it the way that we do it doesn't mean that their way is wrong. It just means that there's a different way of doing it. So let's be mindful of working smarter, not necessarily harder, and realizing that all of us don't have the keys, but there are different people that we need to link our arm with in order to make you know this world a better place and push the needle forward. And if you think about all the millionaires, billionaires, trillionaires, they didn't get to where they are by themselves. They have a dream team, a dream squad of people that help them. And I just like the realness and the transparency that you just dropped there, Sue. And I just wanted to add that. And as you think about when you started to have your shift, your paradigm shift, your mindset shift, and you stepped out of that corporate lifestyle and you stepped into the business lifestyle, the entrepreneurship, and et cetera. Did you think that people would look at you differently? And did you allow that to hold you back when you first got started? You know, honestly, I think at first I was scared to ask, you know, how to to even get clients, how to ask for the business, how to be comfortable with that. That was just not something I ever had to do in my previous life. And so that was a journey to learn how to really have conversations with people to see if there was something I could do to help them. And maybe I could, and maybe I couldn't or refer them to someone else. And so I think part of it was just getting comfortable with, you know, I'm a coach and if I can help you, I'm happy to help you. And if we can work together, that's great. But if I'm not the right person for you, that's fine, right? We, we can talk about maybe another option. Maybe I have a program or you can read my book. I mean, there's a whole bunch of options that I think initially I felt this, I'll say like I wanted to follow a rule book or follow a structure and I didn't really have one. And so I was trying to create one. And then if it didn't work, then I would you know kind of go internal and say, okay, what am I not doing right? You know, I had to hire my own coach to help me, honestly, 
and every coach should have a coach. And I think coaching is just an amazing profession. It helps so many people do so many great things in the world, whether you're a coach or a leader or an entrepreneur. I think it's just an amazing thing to help you move forward in your life and point out blind spots and things that aren't working. And so for me, there was that was a transition for me to be able to do that and for me to get comfortable with that. And so that took me some time. And I'm happy to say it's, it's so much easier for me now because I'm just being me, right? I'm not trying to be something that I thought I should be. In terms of like people treating me differently, the thing that was most surprising to me, I think, was people who I thought would be my biggest cheerleaders leaving corporate and moving into entrepreneurial world were people who I think were afraid of risk. And so for them, it felt like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just go back and get a corporate job? That seems like it's so much safer. And yes, that would have been the safe route to go. But I really wanted to try this. And I thought, this is the time. If I'm going to do it, I, I need to do it now. And what I have done since I made that transition, it's just been so rewarding and things that I've gotten to do that I would have never expected to be able to do and helping companies and individuals just really move forward in their business and in their leadership and their careers, I wouldn't have been able to impact as many people, you know, if in my old world or in another company. That's amazing, Sue. And I'm so glad that you did not allow those people who tried to talk you out of the entrepreneurship journey to cause you to go back to what was familiar. Sometimes you have to step outside of the familiar box, get outside of your comfort zone, and then you really start to see yourself soar like an eagle because you're testing yourself and you're testing your capabilities. And when you begin to test yourself and your capabilities, you realize I'm capable of doing more than I was thinking about because it's new. Yes, it's going to be scary, but if your dreams don't scare you, you're not dreaming big enough. If other things don't scare you, that means because you're playing it too small. We live in a world full of incredible people, opportunities, and etc. So why can't we just be bold, be brave, be courageous, and really step into our authentic voice step into our gifts and talents, realize that we are a masterpiece, realize that we are here for a purpose, on a purpose. And, you know, that visibility factor that you talked about in your book, we need to be visible because the invisible people and the invisible things don't always recollect in someone's memory. But when you are visible and you are your brand and you wear your brand well, people are going to remember not necessarily what you did, but how you made them feel. And that is golden. And I want you to tell us when you were writing your book, The Visibility Factor, how long did it take you to write the book? And do you felt like as you were writing the book that maybe you had some brain fogs here or there because something that you were reliving was just so hard because and let me let me go a little deep deeper here. I'm an author myself. So I have two books on the market and three book collaborations. And when I was writing, it was like whenever I wrote a part of the story, it was like the trauma was coming up again and that trauma was triggering some emotions. But I had to push through that because I said it's not just about Genesis, but it's about the lives that are going to be changed and touched. So did you have a, a similar experience? 100%. <laughs> And it, what's even more interesting is, so it took me four years to answer your first question. It took me four years because I wasn't completely comfortable with dropping the corporate armor yet. It took me a while to get comfortable with that. 
and to be able to share the stories that I thought people would benefit the most from, from, you know, my own experience. But what was interesting is I wrote the first draft and that took a while to get to that point and really, you know, put it in the best, in the best way and with the best stories. But then when I went through the editing process, to your point, like all of those things came back up again, those stories when I would reread them. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I guess I thought I was over this and I'm apparently not because it's showing up again. So it was almost like going through um, another experience again. So I think, you know, the win is that, you know, you work through this and sometimes you have to work through it multiple times and that's okay because it actually helped me a lot to be able to do it. And now my hope is that reading these stories will help other people who may see themselves in similar situations where they were struggling to have a voice and were being the invisible person at the back of the room. And it helps just one person, you know, that's the goal. And what are your top four takeaways that you want someone to hold on to from reading your book? So the first is I would like them to understand that visibility doesn't have to be some big, bold thing where you're speaking on the stage. It can be taking little baby steps every day, trying experiments, trying something that's just pushing you even slightly out of your comfort zone and doing something different that really helps people see you differently. The second is just understanding that you can be your authentic self. You don't have to be like everybody else. And sometimes that actually helps you stand out so much more because to your point, people will remember you. They're going to remember something about you that they don't see in everybody else. And so that's the the part that I think people may miss is they feel like they have to blend. And I understand the importance of community and having people blend to some extent, but you also need to stand out. The third is asking for what you want. I had to learn this the hard way. I wasn't really good at at that point in my career when I was going through all these challenges in saying, you know what, I really want this type of role or I want to be in charge of this. And I think I was a little hesitant to do that. And so what I coach people on now is if you want something, go after it, go talk to someone and say, I really want to be that person. And if I'm not that person and I'm not ready for that, tell me what I need to do to be ready for that. And I think there's a little fear in having that conversation because it's vulnerable, right? They may tell you, you're never going to be ready for that role, or they may tell you, you know what, you only have to do these two things. And so if you can get comfortable with being open enough to have the conversation, even if it's hard, it's better to know than not know. And that's the part that I think people are are a little challenged with. I think the last thing is I write a lot about in imposter syndrome and imposter complex, whichever you want to call it. And for me, that was something I went through and I probably hit, I have six different types in there. I probably went through all of them at one point or another. And I think anytime you try something new, one of those things may show up again because it's new and it's, you know, a bigger job or a bigger responsibility or something you've never tried. And it just starts to create some doubts in your head and working through those for me, it was a big thing. So recognize that that's happening. Be kind to yourself and understand that you're trying something new and you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to have all the answers and you just need to keep moving forward. And that's where, you know, going through some of this stuff for me was important. And my coach helped me as I was going through this journey to become a, a stronger and better coach. I had some doubts, right? Am I, am I a good coach? Do I need to be more certified? Do I need more classes? And, you know, I think it's some of that just happens naturally when you try stuff that is new. And so, you know, hopefully that helps people understand that everybody goes through that at different points in their life. And I would also add, because those were really great takeaways, I would also tell people when you think about a roller coaster, 
just call your life a roller coaster because <laughs> life is a hell of a ride. There's always going to be highs and lows, ups and downs, twists and turns. There's going to be happy times and sad times and etc. But while you go through each one of those pivotal moments, there is a valuable lesson to be learned. And the situation didn't just happen to you, but it happened for you. So you could grow, whether it's personally or professionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, or emotionally. There is always a silver lining in the test. And that's why the test produces a testimony. There's always a mess. And that's why the mess curates the message. So whatever you are going through in your life, ask yourself, what am I learning from this season? What is the reason that I had to go through this? Am I being strengthened? And is this going to not just help me, but help somebody else along the way? And if you change your mindset, you change your vantage point, and you start to see things differently, then you could begin to weigh in and say, well, it's not as bad as I'm making it seem because we all have choices in life. And if you are maybe in the employee bucket still working that nine to five, but you know, it's not a place where it makes you feel warm and fuzzy. You know, it's not a place that you want to stay at long-term. Then ask yourself a hard question. How much are they paying me to sleep on my dreams? Because if you're allowing that salary and that money to sway you from being the man or woman you were created to be, then you're more driven by money. But you can't be driven by money because we all know we need money, but money should not consume you. And money doesn't necessarily tie to happiness, depending on how you look at it. And Sue was very vulnerable, transparent. She put all of the information in her book. And she also shared a bit about her journey, imposter syndrome, coming into becoming the woman that she is today. It wasn't easy. She spent 25 years building someone else's brand empire legacy before she stepped into her own brand, her own business, taking on her visibility factor. And if she can do it, you can do it too. And Sue, I want to ask you about DE and I, and now there's a B attached to it, which is belonging. And there's another E I like to add in, which is equality. When it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging and equality as a whole, what comes to your mind and how do you take your book, The Visibility Factor, and work with corporations as well as individuals on really understanding what diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and equality is? Yeah. One of the people that I interviewed for the book actually brought up some really good ideas. And one of the things he talked about, which I thought was brilliant, is you know this isn't only for people who may be introverted or people who just don't know enough to feel like they can compete with other people, but there's a lot of underrepresented people out there and maybe people who are quieter or people who have tried to do something and have been shut down and don't know where to go now, don't know how to go forward. And so they just stay stuck. And so you know, we talked a lot about that during the interview. And I just thought, you know, the things he said were really great. And the things that his company is doing, you know, we're going to try to put something together to do some workshops for his HR, you know, organization, as well as other parts of the organization. Because I think it's not that people don't want to help people or give them a voice. I think sometimes they just don't know how. So if what I'm putting together gives them the tools and the strategy to follow, to be able to have those conversations with people 
and highlight their strengths and highlight the great things that they're doing in a better way, then that's gold, right? I think a lot of people, um, I had a program when I was at Craft that was to try to help women, you know, in a bigger way, try to help them understand how to stand out in a bigger way. But what we did was we brought men into the conversation. And the reason we did that is because we wanted them to understand the other side of the story for both sides, actually. We wanted the women to understand what the men were thinking and the men to understand what the women were thinking. What was an unexpected gift out of that was that happened. But then all the men, actually, all the things that they were learning, they took them home to their wives and to their children and to their cousins and their aunts and all of that and started sharing that. And I thought, wow, I wasn't even expecting that to happen. I was just hoping you would become a better leader for the people who worked for you. But, you know, that's where I think these types of things, the more you share about how to help people, highlight people in a better way, show their value and their capability, it's going to spread in a bigger way and create that belonging that I think everybody really, really longs for. I like that. And I like how you allowed the men to come to the conversation and the women because you were bridging the gap and you were creating an intersection for men and women who see things differently to talk about hard topics, but also to be vulnerable and transparent. And each one could be an ally to another because we're not mind readers and you don't necessarily know what's going on. But if you open up the conversation in a healthy way where we're able to assimilate, to be an ally, talk about, you know, the mouse or the elephant in the room, the fly on the wall, then you're actually driving the conversation further than if you were to exclude a male or a female or someone from a different race, religion, or background. So just think of, about that. And I really enjoy that. And I really liked hearing that because I wish more and more organizations, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a fortune 500, whether it's a small business owner will take things from that vantage point because it would actually show other people, whether it's your customers, your clients, or et cetera. Hey, I'm actually doing the work, but in order for me to do the work, I need your input and feedback so I can know where to improve. I can know if I need to help you or et cetera. And it's not always going to be an easy conversation, but it's a necessary one. And to help the people who may be in those roles who've tried something, maybe now this can help them learn how to do something different and they can see that they can do this for themselves and they don't necessarily need someone else to help them. So I think it can help both sides actually in the conversation. I like that. And when I think about helping both sides and I go back further into my days of ooh, seven and a half years at the last Fortune 500 company, Sometimes all it starts with is asking a question and pulling in a group of people. But if everyone's afraid to ask that question, then we're only regressing instead of progressing. And when you think about leadership, what type of gems would you like to leave the listeners and viewers with? And remember, the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. And you're definitely doing that by being an executive business coach, your book, and the other incredible things that you do, Sue. Well, thank you. Right back at you. I would say that it's trying to meet people where they are. So not everybody's, you know, at the same place in their journey. So as a leader, I would try to be very thought-provoking and, and be curious about where someone is at. So, you know, to your point about asking one good question, it could just be, how can I help you? How can I help you succeed? 
Uh, where do you need support from me to, to succeed? And just having an open, transparent conversation, because what if you're the first manager who's ever asked that person that question or asked them in a way that they can now hear it? Unfortunately, there's a lot of toxic leaders out there in the world and some toxic organizations. And I think it's it's caused people to be skeptical. But there are a lot of wonderful managers and leaders out there. And so let's let those leaders shine, right? Let's help them understand how to help their teams in a bigger way. So to me, it's looking at what you see in that person. What are their gifts? Talking to them about their gifts and, and highlighting those for them so they can hear it for themselves. Sometimes when someone says it to you, it's, it means so much more than if you think about it for yourself. One of the things that, you know, just as a little quick visibility idea for people who may be struggling is something in the book that I call the visibility partnership, which is helping leaders help each other. So if you and I were in a room together, we would have a visibility partnership. And I would say, you know, I'm going to try to say stuff, but if I get stepped on, you make sure that I get a chance to talk. You kind of interrupt and say something and I'll do the same for you. Or if I'm in a meeting with someone else and you're not there, I'm going to say, you know what? You heard what she's doing? This project is amazing. What is she delivering? It's so great. So it's finding ways to help each other and, and talk about the things that we're doing that means so much more. It just carries so much weight sometimes, even though we say it for ourselves, someone else saying it for us just is, is amazing. It's like a hundred times more impactful to do that. So that's just an easy way that you can start creating visibility for yourself, but also for other people. I like that collaboration plus ways to complement another individual over competition. And Sue, how can the listeners and viewers connect with you on social media, your website, and grab your book? You can go to my website, obviously, susanmbarber.com. I have the book page on there. So you're more than welcome to go check that out and you can buy through the links there. Uh, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. So it's under Susan Barber Coaching, but you can just do Susan M. Barber and you will find me. And I post every day something, but I write a blog every week. So if you're interested in getting that sent to your email, you can sign up for that on my website as well. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS podcast with Genesis Marsden. You just heard Susan M. Barber, aka Sue. All of her contact information will be in the show notes and make sure you embrace your visibility factor. Check out Sue's book. And don't ever let somebody dim your light because they can't allow your light to shine. Your light was meant for you to illuminate dark places, not for you to dim it. So rise up and be the man and woman you were destined to be. There's greatness inside of you. The world needs you and somebody needs to link arms with you. So be uniquely you, be authentic. And remember, your voice has power. Your story has weight. Your test is your testimony and your mess is a message that the world needs to hear. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Don't forget to tap in with Sue and I and subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor 
So please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.